This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Put the key in the car, turn the ignition, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Audio drama in the age of Arthur. TheTableRound.com So speak the dreams within thy gaze, the dreams thy spirit cages. Would that romance which on thee lays, the spell of bygone ages, held me a memory of those days, a portion of these pages. The Immortal Legends of the Table Round Chapter 12 of The Questing Beast It is a still and misty morning at Camelot, as a luxuriating sun warms the horizon, most folk are still in their bed, heedless to the king hurrying silently through the castle, hand in hand with his queen, none suspecting quite what a fateful day it will turn out to be. Hurry up, Gwen, and shh, you wake of all. <laughs> Arthur, we can't just sneak out like this. We have duties. Oh, fie on duties. Fie on meetings and appeals and inspections. What's in the basket? I don't know. I asked Lady Ina to pack us something. Looks like cheese, ale, uh, mutton. So, you have conspired with my handmaidens against me? Enid is always saying you need to get out more. Enid says a lot of things. Hush. Lancelot will worry. He always fusses so. Oh, now you're concerned with a Lancelot. Oh, fie on Lancelot. My brave husband has a magical sword. Let's go have a picnic. That's my girl. Look at the mist on the lake, how it catches the sunrise. And look at that duck. He's sleeping with his head on that rock. Oh, Arthur, go and find a place for us to eat. I'll prepare the wine. As my queen commands. So, did you see Sir Tristan return yesterday with Lord Merlin and that woman? Oh, yes, Lady Vivian. For your chief counselor, he can be dreadfully mysterious. <laughs> I learned a long time ago there are things to do with wizards and witches I have no desire to learn. But do you trust him? Merlin? With my life, a thousand times over. He's been there for me since I was a boy, and he would wander into Castle Sauvage every month or two. I didn't know he was the great seer and high druid and all that muckety-muck then, so I never questioned why this strange man seemed to have such an interest in a stable boy. 
What kind of interests? Teaching me things, mostly. <gasps> Ooh, do you know magic? No, no. More like thoughts and things. Uh, ideas. He was always encouraging me. Pushing me is more like it to see things from different vantages. So a stable boy could see things like a king. More like a man should see things like an animal. I am not certain I understand. Imagine the border. Say, between here and Lothian. It means so much to us. We mark it and put it on maps, and guard it, and build walls, and fight, and kill over it. But do you know what a bird sees when he flies over it? A bird? No. It sees nothing. Nothing at all. What is that sound? A pack of dogs? No one would dare hunt here. These are my woods. It's by that pond. Shh. Stay close to me. Look at that creature. It's drinking from the pool. What is it? I've never seen anything like it. Its head and neck are a giant snake. But its body, its body is all furred and spotted like a... Like a leopard. Yes, but its hind legs and tail are that of a lion. Shh. Why, it's... It's amazing. Almost as if... As if... Arthur, be careful. It's as if, if I reach out, I can nearly... Virgin, what kind of beast was this? Queen Guinevere, you have looked upon the questing beast. Ah, who are you? I know who he is. I suspect you do. That, my queen, is King Pelinor. <gasps> Greetings, O oh High King. You're the last of the rebel kings, Pelinor. We've all wondered what happened to you after Bedegrin. When King Lot and the king with a hundred or so knights surrendered, you eluded us. (laughs) It was not hard. We managed to hunt down Nentrace, but you never turned up. Not even when we took your castle. Some figured you died somewhere, but I knew you'd show up eventually. And I am here. Put away your blade, boy. This rebellion is over. I am past concern with you, your queen, or your kingdom. Then why are you in my woods? I pursue the beast. Since the moment I first sighted it, that creature has filled my every thought. Each night I dream of it. I have left my wife and children to fend for themselves at my last keep, hidden deep in the mountains. I lose the beast for days on end, and my hands shake until I find some sign of it. I glimpse it across canyons, through the trees, a shadow on a hillside. It taunts me, always just beyond my reach, 
This morning is the closest I've been in a fortnight. It is a fire that burns always in my breast. Pelinor, let me help you. We can be allies. You're on foot. Let me take to my steed and follow this creature before it gets too far. We can pursue it together. It can be our quest. <laughs> King Lot always said you were over-eager to make friends. And is that a weakness? <laughs> uh, perhaps not, if this were a better world. But you have allowed your mind to lose focus on your enemy as we've circled this meadow. Now you are there, and I am here by your horse. Wait, no, get off my horse! Good luck ruling Britain, boy king. We shall not meet again. Yeah, yeah. Get back here! Stop, you thieving, miserable scoundrel! You wretched, no-good son of a... Perfect. Just perfect. It is a perfect day for embroidery, Lady Morgan. So much sunlight. I do wish the Queen was here. Well, Enid, I'm sure she's enjoying her morning out with the King. Oh, I'm certain they're enjoying it. All alone, newlyweds, out on a spring day. They both spend too much time cooped up, dealing with the little petty details of leadership. Oh yes, the King in that never-ending line of petitioners. And the Queen always working with the Chamberlain over counts and figures. That poor child. I've never been much for figures. But I thought you was educated by the nuns. They taught me some things, yes. Figures and sums. I read all of Boethius's translations of Euclid and Aristotle. I pored over lengthy treatises on how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. I learned a little basic arithmetic, adding and multiplying. I actually found it a bit fun. I was always angry at mass. People think numbers are so important, but they're not how the world works. In mass, you can just do addition, and then it goes backwards with subtractions. Some goes up, some go down, back and forth, but it's all foolish. In life, you can never go backwards. I'm not quite certain I understand. Imagine a king goes to war. He reaches out his hand and takes ten farmers and adds them to his army. Now they are soldiers. Mm-hmm. But when a war is done, you cannot just subtract those soldiers from the army and have them be farmers again. Those men are never the same. They won't? Never. Take a goose, wring its neck, pluck it, and put it on the fire. All you do is add heat. Oh, I think I see. So you can never uncook a goose? Yes. Yes, exactly. You can't subtract the heat and get the goose back. It's also irreversible. A long, slow decline. Sand can never become stone again. Ashes can never unburn to become a home again. We can build a castle, but it will always take more work, more food, more chiseling, more blood than anyone can ever replace. And someday, someday, all the mountains will be ground down by hungry streams. All the forests will burn, and all that will be left is flat gray earth and still silent seas. Well, that's one way to look at it, I suppose. 
Let us finish our embroidery, shall we? Look, I've made a swan. Oh, it's perfect. So this rude baron, doubting the power of my prophecies, brought me a boy and ordered me to tell how this boy would die. I told him the boy would die in a fall. Then the baron took the boy and changed his clothes, and brought him back to me, and demanded I tell him how this boy would die. I told him this boy would die by hanging. He took the boy away, changed the boy's dress, and a third time brought him back to me for a prediction. I predicted that this boy would die of drowning. The baron walked away, smirking, believing his ruse had fooled Merlin the Wise. But the boy proved you right when he fell off a bridge, became tangled in a tree, and hung there with his head under water until he drowned, proving, as always, that Merlin Caledonius is the most dreadfully clever of all men. Oh. Ah, so I've told you that one before. Many times. But I sense that this time you're trying to make some point. Oh, I, I'm too old for points, Vivian. I don't see the point. I'm just... Filling a pleasant evening, walking with an old friend, with empty talk and nonsense. <sighs> Just like the old times. So you're going to make me ask? Um, why did this invisible knight, this Garmadon... Garlon. Why did this Garlon abduct you. What have you gotten yourself involved in? A situation I have already extricated myself from, thank you. You no doubt heard somehow about the schism in the Order in Castle Corbinick? Only in that for the first time since its inception, a knight has been expelled from the Order. <sighs> yes, yes, this clings all. I thought perhaps he and I might have had similar goals. Perhaps we could help each other. <sighs> I was wrong. Similar goals, merely because he has formed himself in opposition to the Order? It seems enough of a reason. Vivian, you cannot be so flippant. Joseph of Arimathea himself came to this... <sighs> Who is this Joseph to me? I am no Christian. You have always been too quick to erect strong walls between Christians and the old ways. Are you trying to be funny? Here we are, literally standing, on the largest wall in Logres, built by you for the Christian king you serve. I serve the king because the king serves the realm. Does his god serve the realm? Hmm? The king is a king of men's swords. He commands armies, not guards. <laughs> but he wears their holy virgin mother on his shield. His wife is from one of the most Roman families left in the land, and his sister was raised by their timid nuns. <laughs> their god has both a virgin mother and virgin brides. It hurts my head to think of it. I would not be so quick to discount the queen or the king's sister. I don't discount them. I fear their influence, and the influence of the Archbishop. 
and every stone church that's built and the sacred grove that is cleared to make way for it i fear for the future merlin i fear for the spirit of rock and of wood and stone and i will not lie i fear this boy king of yours i see ambition in his eyes ambition art given a choice the boy would rather sleep in and care for the horses than rule has your affection for the boy clouded your keen sight affection me why well, i and speaking of your king and queen here they come walking in the mud and not looking terribly pleased about it my goodness they're all muddy then I bid you good night, Merlin. Indeed, Vivian. Rest well. Goodness, Art. Queen Guinevere, where have you been? Lord I Merlin? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, Sir Lancelot is absolutely frantic. I had to advise him against invading Ireland to go look for you. Then that just means he was a good choice for the Queen's protector. I knew you would see it that way. Merlin, if you're trying to be wry, I just don't have the strength. Good night, Lord Merlin. I I'm sorry, my lady, but I must let you know that Sir Gawain has been waiting to see you all day. He has? He arrived this morning, spoke to no one, but has been praying in the South Chapel, awaiting your return. Oh dear, a perfect end to a perfect day. Before I knew it, I was battling the man. He was angry and he'd insulted me and the dogs were barking and everyone was screaming. He fell on the ground and I was full of fury. I did not cease the fight. Yes? His lady cried for me to spare him. She pleaded for me to stop. And he was defenceless, but he refused to cry mercy. Go on. It happened so quickly. The lady threw herself in front of my sword. Sweat was in my eyes. I didn't even see her there until after the blade had already passed through her. It was like she was smoke. Oh, Gawain. There was so much blood. She was so small, but there was so much blood. And the night he swore vengeance upon me, he deserves his vengeance. I deserve death. No, Gawain. Your death will not bring that woman back to life. More death will not improve the world. As your knight decree that it is your life that will bring you atonement. Your Highness? From this day until the day of your death, Gawain, Prince of Orkney, I charge you to be the most merciful knight in all of Britain. Grant mercy to all who ask for it. Grant mercy to all for whom it is asked, and grant mercy to those without the wisdom to ask. I, my queen. And let you be the knight of all ladies. Let the women of the realm know that Sir Gawain is the champion of them all. 
to be ever gentle and forever in their service. Let no man raise his hand to a lady and not be in fear of Sir Gawain riding to their defense. Aye, my queen, so it shall be. You are dismissed, sir. Oh, what a day. My queen. Oh, Sir Balin, what is it? Forgive me, my queen. I was sitting at the round table and could not help but overhear what you said to Sir Gawain. Isn't it a little late at night? I off sit in my siege at the table. It brings me comfort. Go on. Well, I'm sometimes called Balin the Savage because of my great rages. I've heard it said. Ever since the king has allowed me to return to his service, I have strived to be the most gentle and courteous of knights. It is the example of your goodness and the effect you have on fighting men, such as Lancelot and Gawain, to be the icons of chivalry that they are. That is what inspires me. I am pleased to hear it. And so I have a boon to ask you. I wish permission to wear your sigil, the golden crown on field of white, painted on the inside of my shield. Not to be your champion. I am not worthy to represent your majesty, but as a reminder of your virtue, as a beacon to guide me, your humble servant. Sir Balin, I live to serve the king and the realm. If somehow my heraldry will help one of the knights of the round table to better perform his duty, then I am honor-bound to grant your request. Will that be all, Sir Balin? I thank you, my queen. You will never regret this. Hello, this is Abigail Suter and I played Morgan Le Fay. The uncatchable monster, the questing beast, appears in many forms in many different versions of the Arthurian legend. In some versions, the barking sound it makes are from its own offspring eating it alive from the inside, meant as a rather gruesome symbol about the sacrifice of Christ. It is likely the bizarre appearance of the beast was at least partially inspired by the giraffe, whose Latin name Camelopardalis means half camel and half leopard. Written by Morgan Z. Sowell. Produced by Lindsay Smith. Post-production by James Peyton. Featuring Chandler Walpole as Arthur, Kathy Vargas as Guinevere, Abigail Souter as Morgan Le Fay, and Witty Cranfield as Enid. Also featuring the voice talents of Blay Plamalee as Merlin, Sunny Asadi as Vivian, and Tom Southern as Gawain. Zabalin was Charles Marchione, and King Pelinor was Geoffrey Billard. Your narrator was Nicola Branch. In the next chapter of the Immortal Tales of the Table Round, a new minstrel causes quite the stir. Sir Tristan meets an old friend on his way home, 
and an old ally visits the King Arthur, asking for a repayment of an old favour. Hello, this is Morgan Soule, director of The Table Round. I would like to thank all of our listeners for supporting this show through the last 12 months, and here's to many years to come. Right now, Bedivere, I need a friend. I will do as you say. Good man. Sire, don't kill all the Saxons without me. Nope, no Saxons for you, Bedivere. I'm going to kill them all myself. It is a marvellous chair. I'll have to have it moved. The king sits by the bathroom. I, Guinevere, take Arthur to my wedded husband to have him to hold from this day forward. To be bonnie and buxom. What? To be bonnie and buxom at bed? You're kidding me, right? Does that mean what it's supposed to mean? Without my donkey, my wife and I will be forced to become beggars, I suppose. I haven't the coin to replace him. Or the spirit. Or the heart. Because you killed him when you ripped his heart out. You ripped mine out as well. And you can't replace that. You can't. I love that donkey. I loved him. How, how do you mean? How do, how do you mean? 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 Consider it your future son-in-law looking out for your comfort. I will join you soon. Ha! Ha! Ho! Ha! Ho! Go horse! Ha! Ha! Haha, it appears you have nowhere to run. Gar, Lorne. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, only that. It always is, yes. It wasn't very funny. Morgan's hell. I'm glad you're making jokes. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday. Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bat Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before. Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop.
the Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together.